0: Ready or not, here I come! Hi, welcome to Care to Listen. Care to Listen is a series of podcasts made by care experienced children and young people in the UK. We are travelling across the UK talking to care leavers, experts and activists in the field of child care, who are fighting for better services, rights, equality and understanding. We're in London interviewing the rapper, artist, designer, illustrator and care activist, Rick Flo. Hi, welcome Rick Flo. Um, Thanks for coming to talk to us today. It's a pleasure to meet you.
1: It's great to meet you.
0: Do you want to start by telling us who you are and what you do, Rick?
1: To cut the story short, who am I, I'm Rick Flo, um, I'm a rapper, uh, I would like to say in the most simplest words I'm a creative, um, which means I just like love to use creativity to just understand life and move forward, I think we're all innately creative, it's just that when you become an adult, uh, logic and conditioning gets in the way, that's another story. I was fostered in Bournemouth, um, originally I was in London um, and I went through about five six different carers and through art uh, I found my home let's say.
0: Can you tell us about your life before you actually went into care?
1: I lived in Hackney, East London. Um, I went to school at Kingsmead Primary School. I will talk about my mum. I just, I just, I just have to do it in a way that I'm mindful. I, um, yeah, I was in school and, you know, one day she was like, "Hey, do you want to live in another part of London or Bournemouth?" Me being like seven years old, I don't really know what the difference is. All I know is that London's McDonald's and uh, school and uh, market and a bit of church. And Bournemouth sounds like a new place. So I was like, "Yeah, Bournemouth." And then a week later. I'm on a train going to Bournemouth. Obviously, life changed in a big way, and uh, I've been trying to understand it ever since. But um, I would say, when I tried to understand it, um, my mum, she, uh, I think she came to England in the 80s, and um, she was a part of a um, church. As a, as a Nigerian, come to the, uh, you know, you could say promised land, or come to the, come for a better life, or better life for the children, which is an honourable thing. So she wants to work as much as possible and give her children to carers. So that's how it sort of started and I don't even know how social services regulated it. All I know is that it went from being with racist carers to social services saying like okay this doesn't seem right and when you go back to your mum's as much as Your mum's lovely, she's not with you for the six weeks holiday, you're just in a flat by yourself watching WWF and watching cars go past and you're being neglected basically so it's like hmm I think you need to be in a better situation.
0: So correct me if I'm wrong, you still had contact with your mum when you were in foster care?
1: Well at first it was whenever she wanted but then when social services actually had more authority than my mum it was regulated you could say. And like, she she could call me or call through the carers, but sometimes it just didn't.
0: So it didn't did work. this create a tension between you and your family and your foster carers? Uh,
1: mm, I mean, on the most part, I would say it didn't because of the way they handled it, and it was around the time when mobile phones were getting cool. So I got a Nokia thirty two ten or something, which is a brick phone to you guys, but. It was um, you. You. It's, it's, you could question this actually, because I think it's quite interesting. Before they, my mum would have to go through the home phone, and that's their home phone. But when when she goes through my mobile, it's like she can talk to me whenever she wants. So that's interesting. But I think by that time I was a teenager, and I got my phone through Pokemon cards. Just, just so you know, I sold a load of Pokemon cards, bought my first phone. I was very happy.
0: What did you feel when you first arrived to your the first placement? Like when you first got into the whole subject of fostering and care home
1: I got a song called the prologue that pretty much in a raw way it basically says how I felt I was I was a quiet person so I didn't externalize my feelings a lot so I didn't really say much I just like okay I don't know how long this is for but I'm just gonna ride it through
0: um you said that you went through five foster placements right Mm. what makes your fifth foster placement different to the other four
1: perseverance I would say but to be more uh, um, logical you could say there was two carers, mum and a dad, that shared the role in the fifth one in the fifth one, whereas pre i think having the father figure the fifth carers, they could handle the load of me being annoying between them <laughs> so
0: <laughs> it, <laughs> yeah it
1: it 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 just worked so i
0: so what did you find most challenging about living in foster care
1: trust um the idea of love at first. Staying around your friend's house. <laughs> race wasn't necessarily an issue at first. I can't really fathom remember me thinking too much about race at eight. I think there was just a lot going through my mind. Just okay, this is a new area. These people seem nice, but do I can I trust them? I just I do I don't like oh yeah you're white. Like, There's full blown arguments, and I'm just playing on the SNES, or playing on my Game Boy playing Tetris, and I. Get like the N word and black bastard and but w- when when these things were said to me, I was like, oh okay. It's the, I had to I had to, I had to think about race, you know. So that was kind of difficult. Less so at school because to be honest, I would say uh, I was quite a quiet person. But if anyone got on the wrong side of me, then I would just blow up, throw in a chair or whatever. So people after a while saw that it's, you can't really be racist to me at school because I'm not the sort of person to have like a decent conversation with you about it. So uh, yeah that was interesting um, and then I guess the bigger the bigger thing that I, I, I home into I guess when I talk about care is the transition from being in care where you feel stable to being independent. I think it's a very difficult time across the board from what I've learned. I think what helped me be more stable was the fact that social services made the executive decision you could say um, to keep me at the same school regardless of changing different carers. But I think I found st- I found stability in school where when I wasn't at because I you know, I hear about people changing so many schools and that's like imagine changing carers and changing schools. It's like where do you find your stability? But I think without me knowing at the time, being at the same school, regardless of changing carers, really helped me. And they understood me. When I got angry sometimes they're like, Hey, you're a great student Rick, we're not gonna just chuck you out of the school because of your anger We understand that you have a few situations based on you coming on a bike to school, to you being in taxis, and yeah, and waiting for carers or whatever. They they understood, so I think time played a big part, and just being at the same school was great.
0: Did you feel supported after you left care?
1: I think coming out of care, social services need to be very mindful of their young people and how their transition. I don't think there's an easy answer. I think there's easy things to implement like just educate them what's going to be like. Have a few, you know, important things like this uh, where you got young people asking questions about how they feel. When I heard that 40% of 60 authorities put young people into B&Bs I think that's awful. I I love the idea of being independent. Okay, cool, I'm in my B&B. Yo, guys, friends, come over, we're gonna have a party. I love the idea of that. At the same time, social services make an executive decision. They need to understand the environments that these young people are in. And if there's potential harm from other people within that home, it's not the right place.
0: So what was your pathway to the place you are now in, like, music?
1: My art teacher helped my self-esteem and helped me, be less frustrated if my, if my drawings weren't perfect. I think she done that through just actually having an interest in what the young people are interested in. So we're allowed to play like Eminem and whoever was the hottest music. It doesn't even have to be hip hop. It could be Backstreet Boys, Spice Girls. But whatever the we wanted to play in class, we was allowed as long as we were studying Picasso, Salvador Dali, whoever. And that was really powerful because it was like, oh, like she says I'm talented, and she's letting us do listen to music that we like so that helped and then social services helped with college. I had several social workers and are ones that I remember actually giving me a really powerful uh, positive experience. I would say from university it was just friends and just determination resilience cracking on by any means necessary just let's make this work. It was hard when I graduated but I made sure I sent like a hundred emails a day and then at some point I got a job And I think I did similar with music, it was like my music didn't reach how I wanted it to reach which is probably an over expectation with myself but then just going on Google and trying to find every single social services email address I could find to get to you guys because I don't know what you guys are, it sort of helped.
0: Did you feel supported in foster care and like did you feel inspired by any of your foster carers at all?
1: Uh, First part of your question, supported yes but it's beyond foster carers there's a trinity so i'll say the foster carers uh rod and d as i like to call them they're amazing i love them they were essential because you know if there's not love at home then it doesn't matter if you're in care or not there's going to be mayhem social services because they helped me get my first computer that helped me in the sense of education when they knew I was going to art school, they are like, hey, we can get your computer and that, if I didn't have that, I don't know how I would have done at art school. Oh, and then the third person was my art teacher. She's essential. That's a trinity. School, social services, family.
0: Would you say you felt love growing up in foster care?
1: Yes, I would say more so from the fifth um, placement I was in. They're family to me to this day, you know, I'm... If it wasn't for them, I don't know if I would know what family is or what it means. Um, still to this day, they invite me to Christmas, Easter. They retired in Spain. Um, they invite me there. I'm, I'm, I'm welcome whenever I want. So when I hear stories about the system, about in e-commerce, I didn't think about the system when I was with them. When I was with them from 13, and you could say 13 till 21 until uni but it didn't even end because if, whenever I need them they're there for me. They show me unconditional love, they show me that regardless of maybe being difficult every now and again, um, they were always there for me.
0: If you had a magic wand that could change something for children growing up in care, what would it be?
1: Well, I guess I'd give them a magic wand to let them know that they're superheroes because I guess in the words of Lem say it's quite fascinating when you start to realise that superheroes are often in foster care or orphans. But either way, why are we superheroes? So, you know, even if social services could actually just give like a stick, yeah, that that's a fake wand. I think if they put the message of this is just and a cape maybe just to you know paint the picture a bit better if they're like hey here's a cape and here's a one to show you that you're a superhero as strange as that sounds I think that could make people young people look at themselves very differently in the context of a superhero so I think it's a very powerful message I still need to do it in a song and I haven't successfully done it but I will do it.
0: So how's your career going on right now?
1: Career's good, um, very good actually um, It's been an interesting journey because it started off, as I said, I took, maybe I didn't say this, I took rap seriously when I felt, I don't want to make this spiritual, but when I felt an overwhelming feeling to talk about my experience in care to help young people in care. Before that, it was just like, oh, let me just rap some bars, let me just just, uh, have fun. And that's all relevant, but for me... Go into uni for graphic design and doing animation, that's the tangible path. Music's not a tangible path. It's not, people don't, you know, when a parent, as much as they love you, wants you to get a job, they're not going to tell you to do music because it's hard.
0: No, so, there's a lot of competition.
1: Exactly, 100%. So, yeah, it wasn't a tangible path. So, the thing is, it got to a point in my profession, in animation, that I was like, as I said, I need to do this before I die just to not, so I don't live with regrets. So, when that happened, I quit work. I went freelance, and um, although it was difficult because I basically went broke again, because <laughs> I didn't really, I wasn't, I wasn't financially um, educated. I didn't know how to say that. Oh, I'm passionate about doing music, and I'm just gonna spend the next two months doing music, and then watch my money go down to mm. pass my. Uh, overdraft anyway yeah so anyway I, I I'm trying to do this music thing and I guess just perseverance as I said like my music didn't get into where I wanted it to as a solo artist aka one extra BBC one whatever p- commercial radio stations and you could say one because the music wasn't good enough you could say that but then on the other side of things when you've, you've got legends like Lauryn Hill and Tupac that had a great message where do you draw the line what did I do wrong maybe I felt like I wanted too much too soon however way you look at it I just it didn't work for some reason. But then th- I had an epiphany around New Year one time or Christmas because I was feeling really down because Christmas was awful and I said to myself I'm going to try to find every single social services email address I can find on Google. So I just typed in foster care email, social services email, whatever email I could find, found about 100 emails from wherever. Like look, this is my, pro- this is my project, a boy called Rick. I want young people to listen to it. please send it to them. Out of all of them, Swansea Social Services got back to me and said, hey your song Hide and Seek, we really love that song. The young people here want to perform it for their show called I Can See You, Can You See Me? Um, It's perfect for this year. I'm like, oh wow, stars aligned. Um, After that, they said, hey, can you help our young people write their songs? That was a powerful experience and that made me realize, it reaffirmed to me that this weird epiphany spiritual thing that came over me, it was actually... a sign. Yeah, it was a sign, it was it reaffirmed that this is actually powerful. And then I guess in the last three years, I've started to understand what's the best way to do a workshop for young people. Because I'll be honest, it was only up until a y- six months ago, I feel, that I feel comfortable fully with doing workshops for young people. Before, I was very hot and cold. I was very like, mm, I'll do it here, I don't want to do it here. <laughs> I do a talk here, I don't want to do it here. And it's because I was not I had I felt like I had imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome basically means you've got a little voice in your head oh. that's saying that you shouldn't do something when you're fully qualified to do it.
0: What was your first time when you heard that instrumental and then you started putting the lyric together like when was that?
1: me into rapping? I don't know, I think I was about ten.
0: Was that when you was in foster care?
1: Yeah. Uh, I would say my football manager bought me a Will Smith getting jiggy with it, tape, that shows my age. This is what I mean about, actually, when it comes to positive experiences, beyond care, little things like that are powerful because he gave me that tape, I put it in my tape player, I kept on listening to it over and over until I learned the words, until we had music class and we had like a keyboard, we can put like automatic tempos. Yeah. And I just started rapping Will Smith on these automatic tempos, and I was like, oh, you're so cool. And then I did talent shows in school, doing like Eminem or whoever, like, oh, you're so cool, and I won the talent show. And I think all these little things, and especially the catalyst of that football manager taking an interest beyond football to give me a tape, um, give me a gift, um, I think that really, although I didn't really know at the time, that really got me into rapping. And then, obviously, rap is kind of cool to youth, to the youth, so that got me into it. But then, as I said, the transition of knowing my place within rap that's when it really become powerful. And Jungle Brown, are ama- like our journey's been amazing. I didn't really explain Jungle Brown, but basically after the solo album, we got studio together. All friends from Bournemouth came to London for uni or, or music. And then we just, we didn't necessarily think we were going to make it. We just threw a free track, free EP out onto the internet. SBTV got in contact and the ball started rolling from there.
0: So do you think you could finish our chat with a section of one of your raps?
1: It's amazing to know what I create is resonating with young kids caught up in a similar mix connecting first hand I travel the land jamming with bands inspirational energy to run tracks now I can't hold back or lose slack I know what I represent I've seen the scene that impact each one teach one you gotta give back cause you never know how you can change a life with the words you rap uh, a role model I never could imagine that I just wanted to rap raps inspired by boom bap and all the MC's that come with it by my philosophy in this hip-hop we live in encapsulated in my spirit vivid imagination flipping adversities into animation I'm not a product of my past projecting free thoughts not living behind bars so be what you wanna be do what you wanna do Uh, yeah you need to be what you wanna be do what you wanna do Uh, don't let the past cripple you be what you wanna be do what you wanna do Mm, mm. you need to be what you wanna be do what you wanna do Uh,
0: Wow. Um, lovely to meet you, Rick Flo, and the best of luck for all of us at Five Rivers. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Five Rivers Care to Listen podcast. This podcast has been produced by the members of the Democratic Group, representing the views of people from Five Rivers Childcare Limited. Music by Rick Flo, track Hide and Seek, courtesy of Rick Flo.